Ahoy there, landlubbers! Whispers in the Sea is an actual play series drawing elements from stories of fantasy horror, political drama, and swashbuckling action and adventure pirate stories. As such, a list of content warnings will always be made available in the description. sailors and welcome to another episode of tales yet told an actual play podcast dedicated to telling weird and fun stories full of imagination thoughtful characterization and inclusivity i am your most humble of game masters kendrick or kendo if you prefer i use they he pronouns and with me today are the saltiest sea dogs a cat can ask for gus yeah i'm gus i use he him pronouns i'm gonna be playing Felix Cormier today and on every other episode of this podcast. And uh, I think it's going to be a, 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 a raucous good time. Yeah. You know who else is a raucous good time? Dr. Hilda. Oh my gosh, that's me. Uh, I'm Hilda and I guess I'm Dr. Hilda. Uh, I play Avery Morgan whose pronouns are he, him, but my pronouns as Hilda are she, her. I'm really excited to dive in today. Yes. You know who else is excited to dive in today? Ah, nailed the transition. You did. See, someone's learning how to play the game. I'm (laughs) learning. We're all learning. You know who else is learning? Marceline. (laughs) Whoa. Hi. I'm learning. (laughs) Hi, learning. Hi, learning. I'm Marceline. I use she, her pronouns, and I play Bryn, Bryn Thoreau, and she also uses she, her pronouns, which is crazy and fun. Um, And, man, I am having a good old-fashioned jubilee. A jubilee? You know who else is having a good old-fashioned jubilee? Ellis. Hello, I'm Ellis. I use they, them pronouns. Um, I'll be portraying Thorin, who uses he, him pronouns, and Eldorus, who uses she, her pronouns. Very, very nice. You know what else would be nice? If you went and followed our podcast over on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at Tales Yet Told. It's where we give you the... Okay, I'm done with the voice. I'm sorry. The voice is gone. 
uh-huh. I'm not going to do it for the rest of the intro. I might. I, I'm a wee bit under the weather, so probably wasn't good for my throat to do that in the first place. Um, but it's where uh, uh, social media is where we post uh, the vast majority of the information that's going on. Uh, in this podcast, you know? Uh, so if you want to know when new episodes are coming out, if an episode's getting delayed, if we're sharing character art, lore, uh, any of the other stuff, sometimes we just like talking to you, go follow us on social media. Or you can join the Discord and talk to us personally, and you can find that link uh, on those uh, social media pages. Uh, it's linked in there. So um, maybe... you should. You should do go that. Go follow us. Yeah, go follow us. And and while you're following us, you know, you're listening to the podcast right now. You've already got your podcatcher open. Go ahead and rate and review us uh, wherever you're listening to this. If it's Spotify, if it's Podchaser, if it's Apple Podcasts, if it's some other thing that lets you rate it, please go do that. It's the best way for you to share with other people how you feel about the show. And it lets us know how you're feeling about it as well. We don't pay any money to 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 tell people about the show, you know. We ain't got the we ain't got the dosh for that. Uh, so just tell people. People like it when you share things that you like with them. Tell anyone, just strangers. Yeah. Yell it just in the start, streets. Yeah, if you were at a, a stop sign, like a stoplight, like on the street, roll down your window and start screaming at people in traffic. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just start well, well, blasting car, it through the speakers. They're gonna listen to something anyways. Yeah, blast the podcast through the speakers, uh, and then everyone will be like, base. "Hey, what's that Whoa, what dope story you're listening to?" Yeah, mm-hmm, and you'll mm-hmm. drive off and yell into the wind, "Tales yet told." You look really yeah. cool, also. It looks and super cool. Also, they'll also give you a million dollars if you do that. <laughs> they will. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're playing it around some millionaires. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I think with that, let us dive right on in. Sploosh. Our camera fades in as the sun breaks over the horizon of Kelodora. In the early morning light, we see the Bois-Perdu sailing its way through the sea. It's morning now, and the chaotic, violent, and bewildering night that came before is washed away in this sunlight. The crew on the Bois-Perdu are slowly getting into working order. The smells of cooking coming from uh, Chef Johan's uh, kitchen uh, further down uh, into the ship helps set the tone for this morning as people energetically are getting up, checking, rigging uh, supplies, and overall just the general state of the ship especially because the night before it got rocked pretty hard and seemed to be falling apart at the seams. Though now it still feels a bit unstable physically, but it no longer has bits and pieces of it falling off and disappearing into starlight. It is stable for now. 
you all, uh, that being uh, Thorin, Avery, Felix, and Bryn, have been in some way or another told that uh, there was going to be a meeting this morning. Uh, a meeting with all of you and uh, Captain Hano and the other officers of the ship to discuss next moves. You all should be making landfall pretty soon on the coast of mainland uh, Espinora, where the map was leading all of you. And the map doesn't really explain too much other than this is the first of two destinations, so some decisions are going to be made, especially since the ship itself still needs to be uh, repaired in some fashion. So... You all get up slowly at your own paces uh, before breakfast is finished and and served by uh, Johan. You all make your way to Captain Hano's quarters where the meeting uh, was said to be taking place. Uh, You all file in uh, one after the other. Uh, Bryn, you probably, having already been here, because you probably came in with uh, Captain Hano, uh, since she stayed uh, by your side um, last night while you were in the infirmary. Uh, but yes, yeah, so eventually you all make it up here. What are what are the vibes as you all in, uh, enter? What is how, just describe me physically how you all are waking up this morning and, and entering this space. Uh, we'll start with uh, Bryn, since you are the first one to, to enter. Well, I was going to say just... I think what they would see coming into this space, um, Bryn would be in the space next to Hano, um, sitting like with uh, her legs like um, crisscross applesauce, um, hovering above like a chair where the seat would be, kind of just staring at the ceiling and absentmindedly just glancing around the room, but not very intently. Uh, Thorin, it sounded like you were about to say something. I walk into the room exceptionally tired, uh, exceptionally sore, uh, a bit of ringing still in my ears, but I can hear now. Um, At this point, I know why we're here, but I'm eager to get the details of... Not so much what the plan is, but if there is one. Felix, uh, what do people see when you enter the room? Uh, having just uh, <laughs> woken up from uh, your very unnerving dream the night before. Um, I think Felix is quieter than usual. Um, I think there's a... Sort of, I think he typically has sort of an air of smugness about him, uh, and I, I think, uh, I think it's not really there now. I think he's he's more guarded. <laughs> he's also, um, I think he's, I think he's a little hungover. Um, oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I think he, he maybe has his uh, his hat pulled down a little further over his eyes. Something like that. Awesome. Avery, before you 
make it here. Uh, uh, you uh, spent the vast majority of your night experimenting with that arrow. Um, you probably, uh, if you ever went to sleep, probably woke up still at your desk with uh, its shaft in your hands. But the memories of everything that you saw, all of those potential realities, um, still very much clear in your mind. Is there anything you do with the arrow before you uh, head on up to this meeting? I think, yeah, I, I've I've stayed up basically all night, um, you know, trying to get as much information as I can from this arrow. And I've definitely just like fallen asleep with it, just like still in my hand at my desk. I probably like start awake and immediately I'm just like looking at the arrow again. And I have like notes written about all the things I've seen that are like they progress they like start really nice and neat and progressively just become more and more like chicken scratch like I can barely read them myself mm -hmm. let alone anybody else yeah. um and like looking at it I start to see like the the pattern that was emerging that you pointed out like they're all incipient at like the same moment and um I think I just like try to like touch the tip of it one more time and I try to like I like try to force it like before that moment to see if that is like something it can do or if it is like mm, stuck there basically. I, I try to like yeah, I just try to like project toward like the like the other direction basically. Yeah, to see if it will show you anything pat like the past that has happened. Um, yeah, like, or the past, yeah, the past has happened to me or to it or to, yeah. Mm, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Interesting. I think as you are trying to focus your mind on pushing past the barrier of that moment with you at the helm of the ship being directed by Bryn, you try to... Focus on anything past that. Something that has happened to it, happened to someone else, happened to yourself. And you start to feel something from this arrow seep into you. Something as if it's trying, like, you feel like fingers at the edges of your memories. Trying to flip through them. Try to find something, um, almost as if uh, turning through a Rolodex of memories. And you can try to stand your ground from this, prevent this from happening if you would like, um, because you feel that there is something or someone trying to dig its way deep into your mind to find something. But... You could also just allow this to happen to see where it goes. How uncomfortable is it? Oh, it's... I, hmm. Does it just feel like... Does it just feel foreign or does it feel like... It doesn't feel malicious. It feel Yeah, it feels like there's something else in sharing a space in your head with you that is trying to force you to think about things that 
you know, you aren't actively trying to do. I don't know if that is uncomfortable to Avery, but it definitely feels like un unlike anything that he has felt before. Okay. Avery is definitely too curious about like what that is and want and is just gonna let it happen. Okay. See what see where it goes. Okay. Then I have a question for you, Avery. What is your biggest regret? Is there a point in time, a memory, a moment, a conversation, an action that led to a series of events that you would rather not have happened? Is it something with your siblings or your father or at the church or during your studies or is it something with Alice? I have a potential thing in mind. Uh, I don't know. It might be if... the same potential thing. Oh. I was. I was. I'm thinking about something with with Everett. Maybe. I'm also thinking of something with Everett. I figured. I'm thinking <laughs> of uh, the dinner that you and I have talked about. Of mm -hmm. where Everett had a moment. Uh, That's that... what I was thinking okay, cool, as cool, well. Cool. I was just trying to like think of how to like best, like where do I insert myself in that narrative that like. I regret, yeah. you know. What was your response mm -hmm. to your father? Because this is the, the this is an event that ends up leading to Everett being uh, yeah. more or less disowned. Yeah. Um, how did Avery react? We can set the scene and you can tell me how okay. Avery reacts. Because the first image you see is what happened. And... In your mind, the image of your dining room, the grand dining room in the Morrigan estate. Describe it for us. The grand dining room is obviously a very, like, opulent, sort of showy area of the house because it's where father would host anybody of note and often people of note with the standing that we had in society or have continue to have it is a very large table um because when anybody of note is there uh all of the morrigans are required to also be there jeez okay so <laughs> it is so it is this long table ornate like white and gold like tablecloth uh mm -hmm. that sits at least 13 people. No, I'm sorry, no. 15 people because of the parents. 15. And, and so... And 20. So, yeah, it, it's probably... Yeah. It, it's... I I think there is, you know, the main table itself probably sits about 25 people. There is another table that is often set up mm -hmm. um, because... Uh, the younger Morrigans have to earn their place at the adult table. Jesus. Um, and this was one of the first dinners that Avery was invited to be a part of the adult table. Okay. Is this a moment where your father had company? Mm -hmm. Or, oh, okay. The image that comes to your mind is this opulent 
dining room, long white and gold tablecloth on this fine mahogany table crafted by some of the finest hands and woodworkers of the Holy Marvellan Empire. There is a small band playing in the corner. Uh, it's a string quartet um, who you're- Can I actually? Yes, please. There is there is a couple of hired musicians, but they are music teachers. Mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the rest of the band is comprised of Morrigan children. Amazing, wonderful. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so uh, there are so yeah, there are these, let's say there are three of these music teachers who are accompanying and kind of helping guide along uh, some of Avery's younger siblings. Uh, there's probably Sarah. Um, uh, and the twins, I imagine, are, uh, <laughs> are, uh, are the three Morrigans here playing, um, just very lightly, you know, they know not to play too loud as to drown out conversation, but, uh, loud enough to cover any silences that may arise. Um, sitting at the head of the table is, of course, uh, your father, concert master Cassius Morgan III. Sitting uh, next to him uh, is your mother, Meredith uh, Morrigan, both of them wearing their finest gowns and dressery uh, and jewels and stuff uh, to be able to properly host uh, the fine... um, guests that are here. I imagine there are just uh, several uh, high-ranking members within the church uh, who have come to merely have a a fine conversation and meal with your father and maybe some light work on the side. Uh, Sitting at the table, uh, at the adult table alongside you, is of course your eldest brother, Cassius IV. Uh, your two, uh, your two other older siblings, Garen and Griffin, uh, your older brother Everett, um, and your younger sister Violet. Uh, these are the uh, the ones who have been able to make it today for dinner. Uh, you're, of course, are having a large, like roasted pork, like pig. There's a whole pig uh, that has been uh, spit roasted and lots of uh, sautéed vegetables and uh, uh, other, um, God, probably like uh, rice dishes and soups and uh, all sorts of uh, spiced uh, vegetables and other like smaller meats like uh, chicken and such um, that you all are having. And while you're sitting at the table, some conversation is going on. It's light work, not too much. Um, But... During it, there is a sudden break in the conversation as all of you turn your attention towards your older brother, Everett, whom I'm imagining is sitting probably next to you, being that the two of you are so close in age. Um, At this time, you're probably like, what, 13 or 14, maybe? I think so. Yeah. And so if you're like, let's say you're 14, that makes Everett... 16. 16, yes. He is this tall, broad-shouldered young man wearing... Sim- uh, similarly, he is also dressed uh, finely in like a... Uh, 
gray and white like suit coat uh, with a big poofy like shirt under it. Uh, <laughs> long like tasseled pants and like uh, and like fine like black leather uh, shoes. Um, and you know Everett. Everett is usually quiet. Um, he knows not to intrude on conversations. But for some reason, uh, in this moment, your brother has stood up from his seat and begun to tell a story, speaking over your father in this moment, um, like kind of cutting off his conversation. And you can see your father as he narrows his eyes and like tries to like, there's like the first couple of times where he like clears his throat, but Everett keeps telling the story and it's the story of a young man who, in a fit of rage at his drunken father, who has once again gambled away all of their savings and leaving them uh, without any money to be able to pay for food that night. And in a fit of rage and frustration, strangles his father, watching as the life slips away from him as his eyes grow cold and lifeless. And as he's telling the story, you know, first your father kind of tries to interrupt but doesn't, but then as people are listening and people are becoming more disturbed by not just the story itself, but the level of detail, Everett goes into small things about what the place looks like, the feeling of what it felt like to be suffocated, to have your neck broken by the hands of your son, and the way that it felt to break the neck of your father. And as he is telling the story, your father slams his fist on the table and yells at him to get out immediately. Not just this room, but of the estate. Pack your things, leave. No son of mine will interrupt dinner with such stories, such terrible tragedies, such sinful, heinous acts. He dresses your, 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 your brother down in that moment, not just for this one thing, but of saying that, of course, I should have seen this coming from you. He's a person who tries and then doesn't meet expectations. He's a failure in that way of never quite meeting up to what your father wanted from him, what the family needed from him. And all of you, all of your family sit in silence as your father berates your brother in front of company, in front of the rest of the family, in front of all of the servants, and the waiters who were bringing out the next course and the chef who's looking uh, through the door originally to see, you know, how people, you know, were feeling uh, about this meal. Uh, but now more just like, oh, shit, what the fuck's going on? Um, what do you do in this moment, Avery? I think in the moments where Everett was, you know, given a chance to stop, I, you know, have tried to tug him back down. Or tried to, you know, join in and like stop 
And he stands there. He keeps doing yeah, it. it and he can't, you see exactly. him. It's almost as if like something has possessed him in this moment. He is so stiff, and he do, he like he's telling the story, but it's and as detailed as it is, there's almost no life to him as he's telling you as he's telling this story. It's almost as if something else is speaking through him. And I, I think there's a moment where you're like tugging at his sleeve as this is happening, and like you can almost like tell like his fingers are trying to like reach out and grab your hand as well. But it, they're like, they're not, he's not quite able to make that motion for some reason or another. Yeah, so I, I tried to, you know, I tried to tug on his sleeve. I tried to like shush him as well. But I mean, when I just see the state that he's in and then start to witness the unfolding of it, uh, I'm silent. I don't do anything but watch mostly in horror, but also in fear. And that regret of not speaking on Everett's behalf, not um, standing up for him in any way, has just always been a small pit in just the bottom of my soul ever since that day. And it's my greatest regret that I did nothing in that moment. As you're watching the scene play out and eventually it gets to the point where the yelling is done, there is silence, and Everett starts to turn and walk away, and there's a couple of steps that he takes before the scene freezes. And you can feel as you are in your mind's eye, looking through your eyes at this past version of yourself, you feel against the edges of your fingers, the hum, the vibration of the arrow that is in your hand in the present. And you can kind of understand almost intuitively that you could change this if you would like. Is there something that Avery would have now, in the present moment, that he would have rather his response to this be? in this moment, watching his brother leave, ashamed and alone. I think the worst part of the entire thing is Avery wishes things had been different and wishes that he had said something on Everett's behalf, but knows in his heart that he wouldn't give up the luxuries that he's been afforded and the life that he's been given as one who's favored by his family and knows that he wouldn't have changed it if it was like that he knows that as much as he wishes that he was that person and was willing to speak for his brother he wouldn't if it endangered himself and so Avery you watch this moment this moment in time, frozen, where you have the power, have been given the potential to put a new path forward for you and your brother Everett. And you choose to let the moment pass. The scene unfreezes, and you watch Everett walk away into the main door leading out of this room 
or it would be the last time you would see him face to face. And then you're back in the present. Your fingers centimeters from the arrow. I'd like to try and break the shaft. Oh yeah, it's wood. It's wood. Yeah, the the arrow shaft is wood. You can do that. Okay, I can do that. And then the arrow head itself is what has been... Mm -hmm. It's made of like stone, isn't it? It is this black stone, almost opalescent at the edges, where it like the edges of the sh- uh, uh, of the arrowhead become so thin that you can almost like see through it like glass. But instead of being able to see completely through, it is this array of colors. The probably the same kind of like teal and and violet of uh, uh, of Brin's. Uh, tattoos. Um, it looks unlike any stone that Avery has seen. Okay. Yeah. I'll just, I'll, I'll break away the rest of the wood from it so that it's just the arrowhead and mm-hmm. I'll put it into like the depths of my book bag. Sounds good. Uh, and so, yeah, Avery, you make your way up uh, to the room uh, you're probably the last one uh, i i imagine um you see everybody else is here uh thorn thorn is eldorus with you or is it just you here we're both together okay got it so thorn eldorus uh you see bryn felix and then also uh other officers of uh, the bois Perdue. there's a uh, you know fonseneva the first mate orville crowley uh, the quartermaster who we haven't seen in a second uh, Chef Johan, and then also um, Dr. Aleph Blau. Uh, and in front of you, when you come in here, Avery, you see that they have the map spread out on the wooden da- or wooden table in the middle of this room, uh, held down by uh, some knickknacks or artifacts or other trinkets uh, that Hano has just had around, uh, weighing down the edges. Avery definitely has the energy of, like, college student who stayed up to write their paper mm-hmm. all night and is, like, running on fumes, but is still running. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 like yeah. This, this person's going to crash at any moment. <laughs> Love that. Thorin is finally the most rested person out of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thorin's like, hey, how's it going, guys? Come on, you ready to do this? <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, for our listeners uh, who can't see this map, maybe I'll post it. Yeah, I'll, I'll link it. I'll link it in uh, the episode description so you all can find it. I might also post it on Twitter or whatever. Um, but as a description, uh, it is a, a map of the coast of Espanora and the island of uh, where Paraiso and Contrado is. And there is a line leading from there to the main coast of Espanora, uh, where there is an X in between two palm trees, and then a second line that goes from there up to an island a bit further north, right off of the coast, uh, where a second X is placed. And that is the map that you all are looking at in front of you. Uh, once you uh, enter the room, Avery, uh, Captain Hano turns to you and says, Ah, all right, that's the last of you. Good morning, everyone. I hope uh, everyone was able to get a night's sleep. 
Whether it be good or not, uh, I hope it was at least restful. We potentially have a lot to get down to today. As you all know, uh, thanks to young Avery, we were able to uh, uh, determine the secrets of this map in that it is leading us to two destinations, one after the other. Uh, according to uh, well, according to our navigator, we are right off the coast here. Um, points down to the map, just a, like a little bit of a ways away from the first X. We should make landfall in the next couple of hours. We can take that time to be able to figure out whatever the hell it is we're supposed to find there, and also uh, potentially get some. Uh, supplies and materials uh, for the ship since it uh, we did take a bit of damage uh, last night during that fight. Thank you again to Thorin and she turns slightly over to you, Felix. Um, kind of nods your direction. You can tell that there is some tension there. Yeah. Uh, and Felix, don't think we would have been able to Make it out of there without uh, both of your efforts. Uh, and again, also to young Avery again for dealing with the sea bat. Uh, it is becoming more clear to me that we have a ship full of very special individuals. And uh, well, I guess I'll just leave it at that. On to today. Um, I figure we we take two crews out, one to focus on figuring out whatever the hell it is we're supposed to figure out here, as far as the map is concerned, and another group to uh, get some supplies. Uh, there is a town uh, not too far away from here. It's a bit more inland, uh, not coast, um, but of the ways uh, southeast of where we make landfall. Um, Either that or uh, if it's just wood we need, then, you know, we can send a few axemen to go uh, chop down some trees and bring the wood back. Whatever works best. Uh, Thorin, I imagine you'll take head on that, or? I certainly can. That's where I'm most useful for you. I mean, if you would rather just send a, send a crew, tell them what you need, and have them come back, you know, uh, you're the bosun. Up to you. I trust your decision. I think I'll, uh, I'll send a party out. I'd like to search the area with, I imagine, you and whomever else is looking for the actual, um, well, whatever it is. And then, of course, once materials are back around at the ship, then, of course, I can start repairing the hole and anything else that needs to be done. Uh, All right. I will potentially, however, send uh, Eldoris in with someone if she uh, trusts anyone enough. That's going in. She needs some new uh, trinkets and seeds and things. All right. Sounds good. Uh, I'll leave you to put that party together, figure out who the best among us can go take care of that. As for the uh, crew heading on to, well, figuring out whatever the hell we're supposed to be here for, um, well, I'm planning on going uh Fontaneva and I have already talked. She is going to stay on the ship. 
uh, during that period of time since, uh, you know, there's no real dock, so we can't quite make landfall landfall. So someone's going to have to be on the ship. So Fontaneva, Orville, Johan, the three of you are all in charge, uh, making sure that uh, nothing goes wrong while we're gone, which I guess leaves uh, Felix, Avery, Bryn, if you're feeling up to it, uh, if you have any particular inclinations on what you would like to spend your time doing while we're doing this, uh, you feel more than free to let me know what you'd like to do so I can know where, where you're going and uh, how best to support. Bryn is detached from the conversation and still kind of looking past and through everyone, focusing on distant things in the room and doesn't really process or hear anything that Hano really had to say. Yeah, I think uh, Captain Hano like kind of looks over to you, uh, notices that you seem a bit off, and then turns back to uh, Fontaneva and um, says, I might ask that you look after Bryn. Uh, she is still recovering from last night. The doctor did uh, good work uh, watching over her and, you know, making sure that she was no uh, pun meant but ship shape. So, yes, uh, I might ask that you watch over her. And Fontaneva uh, nods and kind of moves over closer to where Bryn is. Um, and then uh, Hano uh, turns to look at you, Felix and Avery. If I may, Captain. Yes. Especially considering if... if Bryn is going to be on the ship with uh, Fontaneva. Perhaps by the look on his face, I might maybe be able to tell something. Uh, Johan may want to go into the town, perhaps get some supplies for various meals. No one picks spices better than Johan himself, after all. You see Johan is giving you this look like, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Did not want to be stuck on the ship. Yeah, Thorne is just giving Johan just this knowing look. It's like, you, you don't want to be on this boat when there's a spice merchant out here with fresh fish. I know that's some horse shit. Yeah, no, no, no. You, you see I'm not, like, giving you that thank you nod. Um, and uh, Hannah goes, uh, yeah, Johan, if that works, if... You're, if that's what you want, yeah, you can uh, definitely be amongst the crew to head in for supplies. And you see Johan go, well, uh, if you really need me to go down, I, I can go down with the, <laughs> like, uh, you know. Uh, what a crock of shit here. Take Eldor, give him some nice seed. I trust you most with it. <laughs> uh, Eldor is like flies over to, uh, like, over to Johan's shoulder, uh, who I don't know if I've ever described Johan. Uh, he is this tall, kind of beefy, but not quite in the way of like purely muscular. Like there's some fat in there too. Like man likes, likes himself a meal. Um, beefy uh, black man uh, with uh, dreads coming down to about his shoulders, big bushy beard. Um, He's got a pier like uh, two piercings uh, in his upper left eyebrow. These 
deep brown eyes, and he's got blue tattoos that ring around uh, his arms uh, and uh, his neck as well. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's Johan. Uh, I would if I if I had to fan cast him, I would probably fan cast Idris Elba. One hundred percent, I would. Um, I don't know if uh, Idris Elba could do like a Germanish accent. Uh, like a faux German accent, probably. I don't see why. Probably, could, but uh, so yeah, uh, Eldor's like goes over, flies onto uh, over to his shoulder, and he takes like uh, out a bit of uh, uh, like dried cracker uh, from his apron pocket uh, up to Eldoras, and she kind of nibbles at it. Thank you, yo. I'm <laughs> very good, Eldor, and says, "All right, Johan, you're going out. Uh, Avery, Felix." <laughs> For the audience, everyone is reacting uh, to this picture uh, that, I, <laughs> uh, that I put in our cash out of Johan, uh, and everyone is uh, uh, thirsting uh, over this uh, uh, German chef man. Um, Avery is uh, watching to see where everyone else is going. I think at the the fact that Bryn will be staying behind. Uh, maybe like a flicker of disappointment, but otherwise wants to see where everyone else is going so that he can plan appropriately. Yeah. So right now, the only ones that Avery has is that Thorin is Thorin and Captain Hano are going, going to be amongst the people who are going inland to, uh, or going to the coast uh, to be able to find out like, more if, on the map. Good, yeah, chances are something's buried here. And so, like, mm-hmm. I, I think Captain Hano, like, straight up just tells you all that, like, yeah, we're going digging um, <laughs> is is probably what's up. Felix is uh, quiet for a moment, just kind of staring blankly into space. And uh, kind of suddenly, I think he, like, perks up and just goes, well, I would love an opportunity to get on some dry land. So I think a little treasure hunt sounds delightful. Awesome. Uh, yeah, is she, uh, she goes, all right, sounds good. Avery? I, I, I'll join uh, Johan and Eldoris. Uh, go into town and uh, see the sights, get supplies. Whatever's necessary. All right. Eldoris perks up when she hears that Avery is going to be coming. Aw. Aw. No. Adorbs. Uh, yeah, Captain Hano uh, goes, all right, that sounds good. Uh, Thorn, give me the list of people uh, who you are sending into town with. Got it. Uh, Avery and Johan, and uh, so yeah, so I can know what to tell the lads. Felix, you and I, we're getting some shovels. So uh, meet me in the cargo hold. We'll get some materials. Sounds fantastic. All right, you all know what you're going to do, or supposed to do. Uh, Go do it. And uh, Captain Hano uh, walks around the table and kind of motions for you to follow her, uh, Felix. And uh, but she leaves before like watching to see if you do. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, you just follow. Awesome. 
Um, I want to say upon seeing everyone starting to move and like kind of feeling like the conversations have ended, Bryn for a moment kind of focuses back on the space around her and realizes that she's missed everything that everyone else has said. Um, and her stomach sinks and her head starts to swarm with guilt. Understandable. I think while you, like, I think when, like, people start moving and, like, you kind of perk up, like, with the recognition of, oh, shit, people are, like, walking around. Oh, man, a conversation happened. Um, you suddenly recognize that Fontaneva is standing next to you um, and is kind of just leaning against uh, one of the shelves that's, like, right behind her, uh, arms crossed, silently um, watching as people, you know, start uh, moving along and stuff. Uh, but she, Yeah, she's there with you. She doesn't say anything, though. Could I just see, um, see that Bryn has perked up in any way, and then I just wanted to oh, go yeah. over just to a quick... Thing. Not like knowing that you've had any of this like epiphany, yeah. but um, just the moment that I see like people are leaving and knowing that Bryn is going to be staying behind, um, I would walk over and somewhat conspiratorially just like lean in and ask um, Bryn, if it's not too much trouble, I would really, I would really appreciate uh, a moment of your time when, when I return from shore. I think there's much that I have questions about um, and want to discuss, if you'd be okay with that. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Avery, of, of course. Um, whatever whatever you need. Um, sorry, I'm not quite the best help, oh, no. and, but uh, I can try my best yeah. if any have any questions, of course. Uh, of course, I, I, no, I just, I don't want to intrude on i know that you had a, a awful no it, it was hard it, it was hard and... on everyone avery it's 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 quite fine um i'd be more than than happy to help you out i just um you beg my pardon um i um yes of course um i can help you um just whenever you just let me know what you need um and i can i can arrange it are you feeling better Better's a funny word. Um, I'm all right, Avery. Um, I appreciate your consideration. Um, go about your your day. Um, do as you must. Um, I'll be here when you need me. Okay, of course. Um, thank you, Bryn. Oh, isn't about a thing, Avery. You're the one. I should be thanking you. You saved us. Um, I did nothing of the sort, but thank you. Oh, modest. Truthful. Mm. And uh, I would, yeah, I would just uh, nod and walk away at that point. <laughs> As Avery leaves the room, can I tell that there's something with Avery? I think it would make sense. You were constantly feeling the hum of this place. And also this ship is not just a ship. It is also you. You hear and feel and... Do you see? Can you see everywhere in the ship? Like you can hear and feel everything? If Bryn focuses, Bryn can make out the vague ideas of movements and 
figures within the vessel, um, but they're yeah. just kind of impressions. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost like a kind of like tremor sense, more yeah. so than like actual sight. Got it. In that case, I think you feel from Avery the vibration mm-hmm. of the arrowhead deep in his bag, but you you don't know for sure. You don't know like, oh yes, that's the meteorite, right? Like yeah. you don't you don't know that, but there is a more of a hum to him than there usually is. Understood. Awesome. Uh so yes, Avery, uh you uh and uh Johan make your way out of uh here, leaving Fontaneva and Bryn to um well, their devices. Our camera follows Captain Hano and uh, Felix as uh, the two of you start heading down uh, to the cargo hold to be able to get the supplies that you need to be able to uh, dig up uh, whatever it is that's buried, if there is anything buried in the first place. Um, I don't think she's very talkative, not as she usually is. Like, uh, she would probably under normal circumstances, try to find some kind of small talk with you uh, just to fill the silence. But uh, right now, I I don't think she's doing that. I think her mind is busy with things. And so she doesn't even think to fill this space because there's already so much going on in her head. Um, As you're walking down with her uh, i think like as you all are like making your way down um you all actually pass by katarina the cannon hand and the target of your assassination uh and as you all are passing by uh her uh captain hano actually like grabs her by the shoulder and says up oh, lass you're coming with us got some digging to do need strong hands um, and she just kind of, she clocks you and kind of gives you like, uh, you see her eyes grow wide and like, there's almost like there's this, I think you can tell that there is an excitement that has to be buried. And, uh, she just kind of, uh, nods and says, yeah, for sure. I can do that. And the three of you head further down to go and get stuff. And as you're getting stuff, what is going on through Felix's mind as, you are down, like down here, getting shovels and stuff, um, with uh, Captain Hano and uh, Katarina kind of treating this like this is any other day for them, you know. Uh, but how does Felix feeling in this moment? What's going on through his head? Felix's thoughts this whole morning have basically been, you know, he's he's been sort of confronted with the reality that he has to either kill. Katarina without anyone noticing or he has to find a way out of this contract which I don't think he I don't think he knows how to how to do that necessarily yeah I wonder is there any like not necessarily like deal but like is there like a a process a system in which for like if one of you're like I'm sorry I, I can't do this job for is there a system in place for this? Is there a process or, or anything that would facilitate that? Or is it you get the job, you do the job? Yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty it's pretty much that. I, I, I think Felix doesn't know, like within this, you know, uh 
you know, I mean, he's he's just an assassin. Yeah. I don't think he knows about the, you know, broader sort of the intricacies and the decision making that goes on. You know, he, I, I don't think he necessarily knows how this all works, mm-hmm. but it has been presented to him for a very long time that <laughs> if you get a job, you do the job. And if you don't, the consequences are bad. Yeah. Yeah. You go down, you are, uh, you know, Captain Hano, like, find some uh, spare shovels, some uh, canvas tarps uh, for you all to use if such a thing were to be necessary, uh, bags and stuff to be able to get. Uh, I think she kind of goes like, I don't know exactly what we're getting, how big it is, so I'm just going to get as much stuff as we think we might possibly need that, you know, maybe we can form some kind of stretcher or something to put a thing on and... Uh, grab it. So I think she's getting like wooden poles, like canvas tarps. She's getting shovels. She's getting bags. She's getting like all this kind of stuff to be able to prepare themselves for like whatever it is that they're supposed to be getting. And while like she's like giving it to you and Katarina uh, to be able to hold and like, you know, organize to make sure you have everything uh, out of the corner of your eye, you just keep getting this weird vibe from Katarina. Uh, She keeps glancing at you over uh, uh, over her shoulder. And, like, when the two of you, like, lock eyes, she very quickly, like, looks away and then kind of, like, looks back again. Um, that kind of deal. Does Felix do anything about it, or does he just let this happen? I think Felix sort of maybe breaks the tension a little bit after, you know, one instance of, like, catching, you know... Uh, Katarina, like, you know, staring at him. Mm-hmm. I think he just goes, so, uh, Katarina, uh, was it? Yeah, yeah, no, that's me. Uh, yeah, Ka- uh, Katarina, uh, Reichwin. And, like, goes to, like, puts her hand out as if to shake your hand and then realizes that that was a weird thing to do and, like, kind of holds it there for a second, like, looks at her hand and kind of slowly pulls it back and, nervously uh, laughs to herself. I think, I think like Felix like has like started to reach for her hand, like just as she's pulling away. And it's just this like awkward, like, uh, 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 Oh, oh, wait, are we? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then he goes, yeah, it's, um, pleasure to have you, uh, have you, have you along. Um, uh, how long have you, been on this ship. Oh, a uh, couple of months now. Uh, oh, going about a year. It's exciting being out here on the waves uh, with the crew on this ship. It's, um, I get to see things I've never seen before in my life. And uh, it's all very exciting, uh, especially the, wor- the work you do. I, uh, I, sorry, I'm just in awe. Uh, last night was uh, fascinating. Oh yes, yes. Um, I've been I've been told it was quite uh, the the crew the crew thought it was quite a spectacle. Uh, I it was. I I live to entertain. She just gives you like this really like ecstatic like smile too like a little too wide, and I think uh, it's like around then that Captain Hano like comes back over. She's got some more stuff. Kind of like sees what's happening here and goes. All right, you too. And like gives you uh like throws like a bag in your hands and says, "All right. Let's go get the others." 
We'll be making landfall soon. Gotta get breakfast, of course. Don't want to go digging on an empty stomach, she says as she puts, like, four shovels, like, all in, like, one hand and, like, throws it, uh, like, kind of, like, over her shoulder um, and has, like, a large, like, uh, bag uh, hanging by the, uh, by her hook uh, and starts walking up. And, uh, yeah, Katerina uh, very, like, hurriedly, like, grabs all the things that's been given to her and uh, nods to you gleefully. Uh, and starts to follow Captain Hanna. Hey, Thorin, who are you sending? I am sending Nigel, Cecil, Nanette, and Rook. Uh, I think when uh, you, uh, when Captain Hanna gets uh, back up uh, to the main deck uh, alongside Felix and Katarina, uh, you very easily, you know, uh, spotter kind of uh do you just like write a list or do you just like give her names honestly i think he knew from the get-go who he was gonna send um Mm -hmm. and has already rounded them up in the group like with uh whatever group is kind of going uh inland and walks over to hano and says all right with your okay i've got nigel nanette cecil and Rook on standby for the uh, accumulation of various supplies with, at your order, Avery and Johan and Eldor at the head. Of course. A fine group. Fine group. You all will do well. Go on, eat up, be prepared for landfall, and I trust you all to know what to do. You're all capable. And, uh, yeah, awesome. So... That is squared away. Um, Avery, how uh, how have you been preparing for uh, going uh, into town with uh, Johan and the rest of them to get supplies? Um, so I've definitely gone back to my quarters and grabbed, um, I have a letter that's been like wrapped up with, um, and there's like something inside of it as well. Mm-hmm. I have some coin and uh, a note, my notes. Uh, not not like one of my more important notes, but just, you know, running, running notes, a consistent notebook that I have with me at any point in time if I need to record things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm putting all of that in my book bag and the arrowhead is still in there. Awesome. So yeah, you grab all your things. Um, you uh, head out of your room. You meet up. Uh, I guess, do you head up uh, back up to the main deck or do you head over to the kitchen where, you know, Johan is finishing up uh, breakfast uh, for uh, everyone before landfall hits and key you and everyone else is getting out of here? Yeah, yeah. I think I would head over. I, I would head over to Johan because I see him as the de facto leader of that group. That mm-hmm. I'm going to be joining, and so I want to make sure that I am availing myself to him as well if he should need any assistance with anything during the excursion. You head on over uh, to uh, the kitchen uh, or the mess hall where you know Johan is working, and you can hear the sounds of cooking and smell the aromas of 
frying uh, the the frying of leftover rice, and uh, you come in and you see that there is like uh, there's like a large platter of fresh baked like flatbreads, and you're seeing like little like bowls and stuff of like uh, leftover vegetables and meats from the previous day, and you can see that um, he's frying up like a little bit of. A little bit of the rice um, and, like, throwing, like, some of those leftovers in uh, to make a satisfying uh, breakfast for all of you before you uh, have to go in and work. And you see uh, he's, like, standing there. I think I've described this before where he has, like, a little, like, flattened, like, sandbox um, around, like, a very small uh, uh, fire pit. It's not quite like a fire. It's like a... a like a little campfire, like on top of like the sandbox, um, and like hanging above it from the rafters by chains is this large flat pan. It's called a komal. It is this, uh, yeah, kind of like flat pan. Uh, it uh, dips a little uh, inward towards the center of it, and uh, that's where he's like uh, frying stuff up. You see, Eldorus is. Uh, up in the rafters, like looking down uh, at you uh, when you uh, when you come in, um, and uh, Johan uh, like notices you as he's busy stir frying. It says, "Ah, Avery, ah, glad you were able to make it. Got to get some food in you before we make uh, before well <laughs> before we got to go into town." Of course, of course. Um, is there anything that I need to be? Um, aware of that we need to accomplish on our excursion. I have, you know, I have a couple errands that I would like to run, but I don't want to interfere with any of the overall... Oh, no worries. You know, runnings of the ship. Oh, yes. Well, no worries at all. Uh, uh, Thorne's a good man. He, he's made the list. He's given it to the others that will be with us. Uh, we will primarily have the freedom to... Uh, get the things that you and I need. You know, I've got some my eyes on some of uh, some possibly fresh fish or uh, something. I, 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 I'm coming up with the recipe uh, as I'm cooking here now. A is for albacore, a tasty tuna treat. Uh, Ooh, albacore. That's very good. We need to get trinkets and seeds. I like reach up to like maybe pet uh, Eldoris's beak. Just like a little stroke. A kind Avery. A oh. smart bird. Ah, Eldoris has taken a liking to you. Uh, it's hard not to take a liking to her. However you can imagine what it would look like for a bird to blush, that's what's just happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's more physical in the way. Yes. It's hard not to take a liking to her as well. She's a, a lovely bird. Very, very. One of a kind. And temperament. That is. She swoops back into the rafters of embarrassment. <laughs> oh, uh, is she all right up there? Oh, oh yeah, no, Eldoris is fine. She's can be a bit shy. Oh, uh, that's perfectly understandable. All right, uh, so obviously when we, when we reach the, is there any, you know, time frame that I need to be sticking within? Are we going to be... We'll probably just have the day out there. Uh, okay. So anything you can get done in a couple of hours. Uh, from my conversation earlier with the captain, it seems like uh, 
a walk to the town should be uh, probably a, uh, somewhere uh, somewhere around uh, an hour, hour and a half. Shouldn't be too long. We spend a couple of hours there, find what we need, and then uh, we bring it back. Very good. I will be happy to be on land again. So it's nothing like land. Steady, less dangerous <laughs> at times. <laughs> You fall off of something on land, at least you hit the ground. You fall off here, you, uh, well, ocean's deep. That it is. Um, yes, I should be, I should be glad to have my, my feet on land again. The sand has treats, the seas don't, so it's good to visit. See? So smart. And I, like, look up at Eldoris as I say that. I, like, say that basically to her. She nods. I, like, Avery basically, like, says... Like, out loud, but, like, quietly, like, almost himself. I really should investigate more about you. Um, and, like, makes a note about, like, research birds. <laughs> she cocks her head inquisitively. Yeah, as you're in here, people slowly, like, make their way in. They grab, uh, they grab, like, a small little, like, I'm imagining it's, like, like thin, like, ten uh, plates uh, that have been kind of fashioned uh, in a way out of, like, pretty cheap material. They slap on a piece of, like, the flatbread uh, and, like, toss in, like, some of the rice uh, and, like, meat and stuff, like, inside of it. Um, and are, like, handing those off to people as they come in. Uh, eventually, I think most of you make your way through here. And, yeah, as, as this is happening, uh, Bryn, what have you been up to? Do you come down for breakfast? I know you don't eat, but uh, this is where most of the activity is currently happening at the moment. Or are you somewhere else? I think, Bryn, before going to breakfast, Bryn is a bit overwhelmed by all the commotion, all the people, and feeling like she had failed them um, and needs to kind of get some space and reattune herself. And I think that Bryn kind of goes for a walk topside and kind of heads towards her little space in the crow's nest. Um, I do want to roll for Twist Fate, actually. Okay, yeah, 100%. Ooh, also, this is a thing that we kind of skipped over, but because you did have a night of sleep, if you would like... You could get prophesized as well. Yeah, I'll take it. Cool. Whenever you sleep, you may receive a prophecy. Take the starstruck weakness and roll plus spitfire. If you already have the starstruck weakness, you take minus one ongoing until the weakness is gone. I don't believe you have starstruck right now. No, I cleared that because I made the foolish decision. Yes. Um, so I'll roll for prophesize first. Okay, that is a eight. Okay, on a seven to nine, it's going to be the same as a 10 plus, uh, but the fates get a raise. The fates being me. I may spin the raise to break reality and cause something strange and unnatural to occur. Mm -hmm. Love that. I'm going to keep that in my pocket. But... As a 10 plus, uh, any time within the next few days, you can pull luck strings and prophesize something strange or fortunate to occur. Describe what happens in your prophecy, and it will happen, logic and fates permitting. Cool. So Bragg can just hold on to that. 
Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, yeah, at any point in the next few days, you can say a prophecy that you have received and it will happen. Understood. Um, I think then what I want to happen, um, I, I think that's the thing, right? So Bryn leaves this discussion. I think Bryn's been thinking about this prophecy that she received kind of all morning. Um, but Bryn does start heading up to her little spot in the crow's nest. Um, and I do want to still roll Twist Fate. So for Twist Fate, it is as usual. When you try to twist your fate, roll plus Spitfire. On a hit, pick one of the following options. Um, or you may spend a luck point to just uh, treat it as a 10 plus, if you would like. You also have uh, max uh, luck. Everyone should. Yeah, I'm um, just going to use the luck to do it. I just want to do it. Okay. I think my, my max luck is two, right? Because it's equal to your Spitfire? It is equal to your Spitfire. That is correct. Cool. So I spend one luck. I am going to... You remember something hidden in your pocket. What is it and how'd you get it? I think while down in the bottom of the ship, Bryn collected a few vials of her own like star fluid um, and kept a few vials of it. Is it something that Bryn did or is this something that the doctor did and then gave you the vials? I think Bryn did this on her own. Okay. Um, like while in kind of a panic state in the bottom of the ship, started collecting mm -hmm. bottles of her own star fluid. And Bryn climbs into the crow's nest for a moment and pulls out an item that I have, which is an ancient book, parentheses, dangerous, on the secrets of star gods. And Bryn pulls out a quill and starts dipping the quill into that star fluid and is focusing on the energy and the feeling of where the arrow was in that crow's nest and just kind of channeling the pro like the feelings that she has around that and the sort of thoughts that it's brought her and the thoughts through which she gained last night and, and is detailing them inside this book. And I think that Bryn, you know, kind of is like writing and brings the book down with with her into breakfast and kind of sits away from everyone else, um, floating a little bit above a chair, continuing to detail these ideas. Very cool. So, yeah, you all are here having breakfast. Uh, there is a lot of, you know, uh, talk and gossip about, you know, um, what is going to happen, you know, what they're going to find there on land. How are they going to find it? What, like, what are we even looking for? Still, everyone, like, to remind us that this map comes from uh, one of the old pirate lords, one of the first ones, allegedly the eighth pirate lord who no one knows their or People have ideas of who they are, um, but primarily knows that they are someone who's very secretive, um, you know, uh, potentially because of, like, this map and stuff and, like, the way it is, like, really into riddles or, 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 or tricks, uh, uh, kind of whatever it is. It is not straightforward. It is not explicit what it is that you are looking for or how you're supposed to find it. And there's a lot of conversation about this as, as this is happening. Um, at breakfast, does anybody have any conversations they want to get out of the way? Any small things they want to do? Things like that. 
And I think Bryn goes to Dr. Aleph Blau and starts to speak. And, um, Dr. Blau, if I could steal a moment of your time, if you don't, if it's not a bother for you. Oh, yes. Uh, you see he's, like, stuffing uh, his mouth. Uh, he's just, like, taking, like, the entirety of the fried rice, uh, packed it into the flatbread, and is just, like, munching on that. And he says, oh, yes, of course. All right. All right. Yes. How can I help you? I'm not sure your skill set, but I just, and I'm not sure anyone else on the ship would have your expertise. You have experience sort of brewing tonics and potions, I could imagine, to some degree. Tonics, potions, uh, yeah, I have, uh, I have done such things, yes. I have a few components I was looking to combine, and I was wondering if you could lend your expertise to this. Uh, perhaps, depending... What, uh, what are we talking about here? Are we, are we talking about a tonic for your health? Or, or is this a poison? What I... It could be called many things by many people. I'd say it's a tonic for your health. Maybe not the physical kind. The spiritual. Um, I have a few components and, like, Bren, um, reaches in to, like, them, like, uh, into their pockets and... Um, produces like some of the vials and like um, some other like vials of like very very fine meteorite dust um, and uh, petals of stargazer lilies and these sort of small insects that have been known to twinkle brightly in the night sky similar to fireflies but with a bit more intensity and a bit more glare um it's actually not uncommon for sailors to confuse these for stars in the night sky and to drift off course because of it interesting yeah and bren is like i'm looking to distill these into some sort of tonic to ingest safely uh yes do you i get And he's, like, looking at the things that you have in front of him. Well, I've never brewed this particular tonic before. I've I've never worked with these ingredients. I will need some assistance if you know what it is you're looking for out of of this uh, or even the process. I have an idea. I just... A helping hand and some advice would be much, much appreciated. You have much more experience. I just sort of gleaned the information from beyond the veil, if you will, um, and just piecing the little uh, bits of the puzzle back together is, I thought, would be your expertise. We will have time on the ship, so we can do it then. I will uh, start preparing uh, the lab I guess it's kind of a lab. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll start getting things together for you. Of course, I appreciate it. Is there anything I can do for you? No, I'm good. I much appreciate it, Doctor. Enjoy the rest of your meal. Mm-hmm. And he nods to you, starts his face with the uh, rest of the kind of uh, fried rice wrap that he's made and uh, heads on uh, to uh, back to his office. 
So uh, we're going to cut forward ahead a little bit uh, to when you all are, are here. Land ho, as it were. You all lower anchor a uh, couple of hundred feet away from, uh, away from shore, a ways out uh, so that it's not so shallow that you all find yourself beached. Uh, but, you know, not so far that, you know, you all have to uh, take the rafts too far, you know, to or from shore. And, yeah, the, the teams are put together. It is uh, the four uh, hands that Thorne has put together, along with Avery and Johan uh, and Eldoris, and uh, the other group being uh, Thorin, Felix, Captain Hanno, and Katarina. Everybody kind of like gives you your goodbyes. A few people give lists to uh, Johan and some of the other people like, hey, Wangyong Town, can you grab this for me? Uh, um, stuff like that. And you all are lowered uh, in the rafts uh, into the water in your two respective boats. And you uh, paddle your way to shore. Uh, the coastline of Espinora, there's... It's gorgeous. It is this like kind of almost white sand kind of beach where the coast is like this glittery sheen of sand and minerals and and little bits of pieces of shell um and littered across it are you know uh, several uh, palm trees rising from the sands uh and you can tell that like uh the beach like elevates into this hill until it gets to like more flatter land where roads and stuff uh, for people to uh, be able to travel by uh, are just uh, far behind it. And then like past that, you can see the rising trees of like dense forests that go further inland. Do you all imagine that like the paddle rides are just like kind of quiet as uh, just the sounds of water as whoever is the designated paddlers for either boat uh, row you to the beach, or is there some kind of uh, conversations that are happening? Or I certainly don't think it would be extraordinarily tranquil rowing paddle boats, <laughs> you know, to the shore uh, within tides is known to be a bit of a bear uh, at the best of times. So I kind of imagine everybody probably quiet, but just like hyper-focused on fighting the tide um, yeah. and getting to that shoreline. Mm -hmm. And almost like this eagerness, maybe for some, for some maybe a terror um, yeah. of what it feels like to be off the sea after so much time. It takes you all like a couple of minutes or so, but eventually you all do find yourselves at shore you're able to beach uh, your little boats, throw your paddles inside, um, and the two groups kind of say their goodbyes uh, before the supplies party heads uh, heads into town, and uh, you all and the treasure party uh, gets ready to get the treasure. As you know, you're taking out uh, the equipment and stuff that Captain Hano has gotten you and all of that, and I... And I think before you all leave um, supplies party, uh, Captain Hano turns to all of you and says, I don't imagine that what we're going to do is going to take too long. Or That's the hope. Uh, we gotta 
guess we got a lot of beach to cover. Uh, so, yeah, you know what? T- take as long as you need. We're probably going to be here. We're obviously not going to leave without you, but be careful. Be safe. Union Navy already probably is alerted local authorities. So let's uh, keep your heads down. Don't cause trouble. I trust you all. And uh, Johan kind of gives a nod, so does everyone else. And Eldorus obviously perched uh, uh, on his shoulder. Uh, and he gives a kind of pat on the back for Avery uh, as uh, you all turn around and head off. Avery, do you say anything to anyone before you head on off to with the supplies group? I think I maybe like make eye contact with Thorin and like seeing Eldorus and stuff. And I'll just kind of wave and be like, I'll take good care of her. Bless you for it, lad. And uh, yeah, you turn and you start walking off and, and following them. But, but Avery, I think it's at the point where you meet the threshold between the beach and what is like the flat land that leads to the road and so on and so forth. I think as you take that first step, you feel that chill again, that something's watching you. And I, and I think there's almost like this certain like jerking around as like, it, do, it's, it, it doesn't even quite feel just like, oh, there's someone watching you. Like you feel the breath on your neck of someone behind you. And like, there's this split moment where you like turn to look and it's just them on the beach getting the rest of the stuff out of the boats. There's an odd feeling here, an ominous feeling here. Yeah, just a, a bunch of uh, like deep breaths. And I think I'm going to, just knowing that the last time I felt this, I'm going to open up my notebook just to like, See if I see anything again. Yes. Ooh, very fun, very fun. Avery, you open your uh, journal, the same one that you were writing in yesterday night when you felt this same sensation of someone watching you. And sure enough, again, you open a page and you see in deep crimson red writing, almost as if it's blood, still fresh and wet. Every night when he would sleep, The weasel could hear Jacques. The weasel wasn't having fun. Pop will go the weasel. I'm going to flip the page and then flip back. And it's your notes again. Yeah. Avery is going to close the notes up, put it back in his book bag, and uh, say to himself, should probably get that taken care of. And just continue to wait for everybody to uh, go into town. Awesome. You turn around and you keep walking with them. Very good. In-game moves. Uh, Ellis, for Thorin, uh, did you defeat a major foe? No. Gain significant treasure. No. Uh, accomplish one of your character's goals. Um, look at my goal sheet again. Yeah, your goals were progress as quickly through the mission as possible. I don't think that no. happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> learn more about everyone. No, not really. Obtain a good omen. No, so no. Tragic. 
Got it. Okay. Awesome. Uh, next up, uh, Bryn. I, did you realign yourself with the cosmos? I think Bryn taking the moment to sit and write in the book and kind of focus on the prophecy. I would say that would count. I'm going to take an experience and that is a level up. Awesome. Repair the ship. No. Share the wonders of the stars with others. Mm, no, not yet. So uh, when uh, every time you gain a level, you may choose one of the advancements listed on your character sheet. Some advancements can only be taken a set number of times. Others can be used as many times as you like. Your playbook will tell you which. Uh, as the navigator, you could add plus one to a skill, mark one additional luck every session, or take an advanced move. I want one of them advanced moves, baby. Yeah, which one are you getting? Man, oof. Um, there's ones that are better flavor-wise, but mechanically, some of the other ones are really interesting. Like, mm -hmm. Kairos is insane, but, like, Star Chart is way more flavorful. Okay. Dude, I just read Kairos. That's, that's insane. Yeah, Kairos. For, uh, yeah, for everyone, uh, Kairos, if you wish to make time stand still, roll plus Spitfire. <laughs> the fates take a raise. On a 10 plus, uh, the world, uh stills for a minute only you and people you choose with whom you have rank are affected on a seven to nine as with 10 plus but it affects everyone but you no i do take kairos mm. i do take kairos actually okay yeah on a six minus you can halt the progress but only for a few moments there is a little bit of flavor in there that i really like and i okay. think this could be used in very interesting ways okay cool uh, yeah, uh, Bryn controls time now, as if she wasn't already incredibly powerful. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Bryn was just really lacking in the power department. No. So. Yeah, I agree. Right. <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, Avery, did you use your books more? Not really. Got it. Bryn Arrow? You didn't no. really give Bryn, no. And then you haven't sent the letter yet. Got it. Would you consider, though... That the fact that I know what the arrow is and capable of is a gain of significant treasure. Yeah, That's I would say only... that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that. Bam, That's one XP for you. Or, well, I'm sorry. You can choose uh, to either mark one experience, add one rank with someone, or clear all your weaknesses. I'm going to take one rank with my last book. Ooh. Okay. Awesome. Felix. Uh, did you defeat a major foe? No. No. Gain significant treasure? No. No. Accomplish one of your goals? Did you, you didn't get the arrow? Damage no. control with Avery? Not particularly. No. Stay in control? I guess, but, like, that wasn't really tested, so. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, the really only, the only opening Felix might have even had was at breakfast, where... You could have poisoned the food if you would have liked. Um, yeah. But it didn't really seem like Felix was interested in that anyway. So. Yeah. Okay, cool. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye, y'all.
proud member of the Rainbow Roll Network. Rainbow Roll. Our, our stories, our voices. voices.